0: Hello, uh, this is a video describing uh, a clinical scenario of stable angina. So candidates, uh, you're in an outpatient cardiology clinic. A 50 year old gentleman with a background of hypertension has come presenting with a history of chest pain. Please talk uh, about how you would uh, assess this patient.
1: Okay. So given this a 50 year old gentleman with a history of hypertension and a background of presenting of chest pain, most important thing first of all is to ensure that he's safe, so ensure he doesn't have any chest pain at the moment because that would completely change how I assess and manage this patient. Um, assuming he doesn't have chest pain at the moment, I'd proceed with a history. The thing I'm trying to understand here is whether this represents cardiac chest pain or whether this is uh, chest pain of another cause. Um, so I want to understand uh, the specific key things to understand whether this is cardiac chest pain are the site of the pain and importantly, whether it radiates um, specifically whether it radiates to the shoulders, uh, to the jaw, uh, whether there are any associated symptoms such as shortness of breath or diaphoresis, um, and importantly, whether it's associated. I think one of the most important things is whether it's associated with exercise, uh, and similarly, whether it's relieved by rest. Um, other things I want to understand is, in terms of other things that could be causing this pain, um, understanding whether it's. Uh, radiating through to the uh, back at all, whether it's associated with food or eating, whether this patient has any underlying respiratory pathology um, uh, that could be that could be causing us or uh, contributing to his chest pain. Uh, then once I've got an understanding of the actual pain and any associated symptoms, I'd move on to just briefly trying to understand uh, a bit about the patient's background, so his past medical history, particularly to paying attention to any cardiac risk factors such as diabetes and peripheral vascular disease, um, idea for his body habitus, his family history, what medications he's on currently, uh, and importantly his social history, so is he a smoker, does he drink much alcohol, uh, and illicit drugs, particularly paying attention to cocaine, uh, which can accelerate uh, coronary disease and also cause uh, vasospasm, so whether he has pain associated with cocaine use. Uh, then I'd assess the patient, so the basic set of bulbs in and an A2E, A2E approach, specific things that we're looking for is A, whether there's any other pathologies that could be causing his chest pain, so be auscultating, think about any respiratory pathologies, uh, and importantly, trying to understand uh, whether, he, whether he has any other cardiac pathologies. So looking for murmurs such as aortic stenosis, uh, which can cause, cardiac, can cause cardiac chest pain, um, and importantly, whether there's any uh, signs of heart failure. Um, which could indicate uh, established cardiovascular disease. Um, and finally, uh, looking for any uh, evidence of risk factors, so corneal arcus, xanthelasma, uh, and any complications of diabetes. Uh, and after that, I'd get a clear idea of the, uh, the nature of this patient's symptoms uh, and what the examinations revealed, and then move on to investigations for this
0: patient. Okay, talk, talk to me about uh, how you'd further investigate this patient.
1: So I think I'd. Tier my investigations, um, starting from the basic things. Um, so I do a panel of bloods, looking again for other causes of um, that could be exacerbating any chest pain, uh, such as anemia on a full blood count. I'd like to get an idea of his baseline renal function, um, and also HPONC one c and resting uh, resting uh, cholesterol and lipid panel. And these are important because they're modifiable risk factors. So that's important to understand for patients' general cardiovascular health, health, whether they have angina or not. Um, then, moving forward from that, uh, other tests that I can do in the clinic um, are an ECG, that gives me understanding whether the patient has any, uh, any signs of previous MI um, and whether there are any other um, abnormalities on the ECG. Uh, and then the next set of investigations I might think about ordering are a baseline echo to get an understanding from the patient's uh, LV function. And Again, still thinking whether well, there, there are other causes, so whether the patient has HOCM or iotic stenosis uh, or mitral valve disease that could be causing uh, some of his symptoms. Uh, and then finally thinking about investigating for angina if that's where the history has led me. Um, and and how, would you,
0: how would you go about doing that?
1: Well, I think given he's, given he's 50 with a background of hypertension, I think he's, uh, a good appropriate candidate for a CTCA which is the nice recommended first line but also I think a fairly sensible test in this
0: instance. Okay and, and talk to me a bit more about why you choose a CTCA. So a CTCA is a,
1: um, a very valid rule out test for coronary artery disease um, so it's very sensitive but perhaps not so specific having uh, a 50 year old who's unlikely to have a huge build of calcium in his arteries uh, it will be it gives quite good idea of whether it has any, uh, first of all, whether it has any prognostic disease, so Prox-LAD disease or uh, left main stem disease. And secondly, whether it's significant uh, underlying coronary artery disease. Um, I think if he was, uh, it's a good, it's it's a fairly cheap test and it's low risk for the patients. I think, I suppose the cons are that you don't get much of an idea for cardiac function um, and you don't get an idea for whether the patient whether you might get an idea for just anatomically whether the patient has um, stenosis or coronary artery disease, but you don't get much of an idea of whether these stenosis are actually physiologically significant. I.e. Are they causing um, ischemia, uh, which I suppose functional tests would give you a better idea of.
0: Okay. Uh, so let's say this patient is actually 75. He has a stent and a pacemaker, uh, a coronary stent as a background. Uh, would the test that you choose have changed?
1: Yeah, I think absolutely, we'd have to think about different tests. Um, I think at the age of 75, with established coronary disease and a prior stent, uh, a CTCA is going to be of less value um, in this patient. Um, And so thinking about the other test, the functional test, if he's got a pacemaker, I want to know a bit more about the pacemaker to understand whether he's, um, how often he's ventricularly paced, um, because that will affect the ECG, uh, and therefore what kind of test uh, is appropriate. For example, I wouldn't be able to do an exercise ECG um, if you've got a ventricle paced rhythm. Uh, and similarly, a stress MRI would be, out, would be perhaps not as useful given the artifact from the pacemaker, and difference between stress echo and exercise echo might be less useful if he's uh, always ventricle paced.
0: Um, so what what would you consider? You've mentioned that. What would be a good test, do you think, in this scenario? Yeah,
1: so those are the ones probably less useful. Actually, I think in this case, the pacemaker and a the a fair option
0: is a myocardial perfusion
1: scan. Um, OK,
0: yeah. fine. So um, getting back to the original patient, uh, you did do a CCCA and it shows coronary artery disease with uh, mild to moderate um, uh, RCA lesion, um, and you did a transthoracic echo, as you mentioned, which shows a normal LV function. How would you proceed to manage this patient who is symptomatic with stable angina?
1: So I think this is a, given this is a 50 year old patient with a background of hypertension, I think the first thing would be important to explain to the patients just what the diagnosis means um, and what could be going on. I think that's really important because I like to, with patients with disease, give them the opportunity to take control of their condition and really take the lead in changing their lifestyle. So I then talk through the what this means for them, um, what the and what their other tests might have shown in terms of their modifiable risk factors, and try to look to uh, come up with a clear plan as to how we can work on those uh, one by one, uh, and perhaps add in the support of if I'm in hospital, whether we've got any dietitians or or nutritionalists accompanying uh, this angina clinic or if there's any any community that could help them in particular. Um, And then moving moving on from that, I'd talk to the patient about uh, starting a GTN spray and I specifically speak to them about what to look out for. So if the patient uh, was developing pain with, less and less exertion, uh, and it's coming on more and more frequently, despite use of GTN spray, I, there is this crescendo angina, and also if the patient has unstable unstable angina, I'll talk about uh, what to do with respect to uh, coming to hospital, essentially, if they have any of those type of symptoms. And then in terms of uh, medications, um, uh, the medical options in this patient would be to think about uh, either a beta blocker or a rate limiting calcium channel blocker, um, assuming he was not bradycardic or relatively hypertensive to begin with, uh, think about starting a, uh,
0: uh, a beta blocker. Okay. Uh, so uh, you start a beta blocker in this patient, um, and you review him again in clinic down the line to assess for response. And he's come back uh, saying that he started feeling very dizzy. Um, what would be the things that you'd consider? So I suppose... This is a patient who's already got established hypertension. So he's probably
1: already on a, an antihypertensive at least uh, with the addition of bisoprolol. So bisoprolol could have either lowered the blood pressure further, um, or it could have reduced the heart rate, which, which can both cause dizziness. Uh, in, a, in addition, something else could be going on completely that's causing this gentleman's dizziness. So again, I'll take a focus history and examination, uh, particularly want to do a lying standing blood pressure. Um to try and get an understanding of what could be causing his dizziness. And if it was the uh, beta blocker, try and get an understanding whether it's bradycardia or hypertension or relative hypertension that's so causing his dizziness. And think about adding in other, another medication. So, you know, a lot of people would have no effect on the uh, heart rate if it's the heart rate that's an issue. Um, and if it was the blood pressure that was an issue. Um, whereas if it is the if it was the, or other things such as ISMN could be used if the heart rate were, if the heart rate wasn't a problem that was more to do with blood pressure. Okay.
0: Yeah. Okay. And what if it was a blood pressure problem? Sorry, opposite way around.
1: sorry. If it was a, that's, if it was a, if it was a heart rate problem, those medications and not uh, ISMN that could have, would uh, help with angina, but not drop the heart rate. Uh, and conversely, if it was a blood pressure, blood pressure issue, uh, I could think of medications such as ivapridine, um, which don't drop the blood pressure so much. Okay,
0: fantastic. Um, okay, that ends the scenario. Uh, well done. Okay, thanks very much.